Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast, a podcast that is designed to talk about the job. I'm the luckiest guy alive. I get to interview the coolest people out there in the American Fire Service and talk about the job. Everything from guys riding backwards, officers, chiefs, up through companies, people, manufacturers, products, organizations, you name it. We're trying to capture the stories to promote the job and make the job better. So if you're returning and you're a regular listener, thank you. If you're new to the podcast, check it out and let us know what you think. Podcast at nationalfireradio.com is where you can find us. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show, people that you think might be a good guest, or anything else that you want to talk about. Send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And what we get to do is bring forth the word about the job. But in order to do that, we need the help of some sponsors. So do me a favor, hang tight, and listen to the words from a few of our sponsors. This episode's brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at boxalarmgrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, key chains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast. And because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, Enter NFR sent me. That is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that. They can't do that. 48 hours to get your shield out the door to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. Again, that's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for 15% off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody, Jeremy National Fire Radio on the podcast today. The most obnoxious intro I've ever done right there. Robert Ridley, my partner in crime. Hi, Rob. 
Jeremy, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. You know, we need to be doing more of these episodes where it's just you and me. Uh, we break down a topic. We go after it. We talk about something. Uh, I don't know, anything uh, to talk about because, well, frankly, I miss you, and we don't do enough of these anymore, and so we need to get back on track to do some more projects together. What do you think? I agree 100%. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that want to hear us talk and enjoy this banter back and forth so i we don't need to make sure that happens. i don't i don't know who you're talking to but i i highly doubt that i highly doubt people want to hear what you and i have to say but <laughs> but we'll roll with it so thanks for joining me today man this episode's going to be launched uh tuesday march 7th i'm trying to put some dates on the podcast so people know when they're when they're recorded or when they're released so they have an idea and time frame when we talk about either current events or we talk about different topics uh they know where we are in time and space today you and i are going to go down the road real quick of talking about our five-year anniversary of national fire radio man we're not going to go after any specific topic but kind of just a recap of what the last few years have been the the relationship that you and i've grown together along with sebi and tucker and the rest of the people that have helped us along the way um and so on but man it's been a hell of a run and uh you know this is i don't know maybe a little backstory rob about how this all started man you got you want to you want to open that uh that line of conversation yeah i mean i remember in 2017 it was december you had to send me a facebook message because you didn't have my phone number and i didn't have yours after all the awesome conversations we had at, at mutual parties yep. and you were like hey i'm thinking about doing this thing for the fire service uh i don't know if you have anything going on in 2018 but like i want to give back i'm not really sure how we're going to do it but I'd like to have you with me. I think you'd be a good balance. And I was like, all right, I got nothing going on. And I was getting married that year. So my wife was really happy that I uh, dismissed our, our wedding as not, not an event. Um, but we, you know, we, we agreed to meet. Uh, I think we met in January. We went and had coffee and the rest is kind of history. It was off to the races. You, you you pitched the idea of giving back to the fire service and the stuff that was going on. And did I'm like, I, yeah, let's do it. Did I have to sell you? Like, did it, did no. it take a lot to get you in? Like, was it, was it a Jeremy Dodge sales special or, or were you in? I was probably your easiest sale you've ever had. You think um, so? Yeah. Because Why? I mean, like I, when you, when you talked about giving back to the fire service and, and you, you said that, you had gotten so much from it and it was time to give back and you went down the road of like, Hey, like I had opportunities to become a career firefighter. I never, I never did that. However, this is something that I want to do. Um, and, and we kind of started hitting on like the issues of the fire service, not, not even from like, Oh, like this, you know, like we have to have a, a cue siren here or, you know, this kind of attack. The fact that we, talked about the senior guy leaving and being bitter and capturing those stories. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, like this is important. And I think for me, I like there's firefighters who left and had retired that I worked with either in Poughkeepsie or in Fairview. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like they don't come back. Like I don't know. There's like now their stories are passed down as a, you know, it's a story, but it's like a tale that gets elaborated every time. And the, you know, the details get changed. It's a little bit more embellished. Um, and it would be nice to talk to those guys and figure out what happened. So I was, I was all for it. 
Yeah, you know, that was super important from day one, right? So the whole intent was I was listening to podcasts for quite a long time. I mean, outside of National Fire Radio and so on, I, I lived in my car, in a, meaning I traveled all day long. I do mileage like you wouldn't believe. And, Rob, I know you can attest to that about the amount of driving that I do. And so mm-hmm. I was always in the car, and I was getting tired of music, and I started going to audiobooks. And from audiobooks, I found podcasts. And then I started finding uh, some, you know, business-minded, entrepreneurial-minded podcasts. And then I started looking for firefighting podcasts. And there was nothing out there that really intrigued me for the most part. There were a couple at that time, but this is 2016, 2017. Um, but the entrepreneurial ones really stuck out to me. And, and Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Gary V is, Gary V is the exact reason why I started National Fire Radio. It, he was the one that pushed me to push myself to get uncomfortable and to go all in on something that I was passionate about. And I believed in his message and his entrepreneurial spirit and his podcast, and that pushed me to start my own. And I knew that I needed some balance along the way, and I knew that, you know, as a volunteer firefighter, if I was going to go into a fire service podcast, I would have to find a career fireman that could offset me but understand my points of view and where I'm coming from too. And so – that had to be a fine balance. And then that's how literally I remembered you and all of our interactions that we had through a, a joint friends. And I was a fireman in the firehouse that you're now a career lieutenant in. I was a volunteer mm-hmm. there. It's a combination department. And years ago, I was there 23 years ago. I left in 2000, but I rode there from 1995 to 2000. And so I got to know a lot of the guys there. I became good friends with them. They let me bunk in with them. I cooked meals with them. I was considered one of them for the most part, even as a volunteer, even though this was a career department as well. And so I met you long after when you got, what year did you get hired there, Rob? Uh, 2007. So in 2007, seven years after I'm gone, I'm still maintaining relationships with guys in that firehouse. I'm still stopping back at that firehouse to have a cup of coffee, to shoot the shit, to see some of the guys that I missed. I missed the excitement. I missed the running, all of it, right? And so you and I then hooked up, and every single time I walked into that firehouse, you were the first guy up to shake my hand, say hello, and offer me a cup of coffee. And then when we were at bar mitzvahs and baptisms and birthday parties, you're the guy standing around the keg, pumping the keg, filling my cup. And we always found each other talking about the fire service. And I was mm-hmm. intrigued by you and your past story where you were firemen in the different district. And you came to, to the firehouse that I knew. You know, you also rode down in Prince George's County, Maryland. So I got to know some of your story. And from there, I really formed a great opinion of you. And, and so I thought if I was going to do this and do a podcast, I really needed to round it out with a career fireman. And so I thought of you right away. And I thought it might be a good mix. Now, and, and truth be told, right, Rob, we didn't really know much about each other at all. We weren't really friends. We were acquaintances. We knew each other. Right. But, man, we, we, weren't, uh, we weren't really friends from the get. Right. And the, and the one thing that I knew was that, like, you had a passion for the fire service, which was because, that, that, I, like, we gravitated to each other because I remember uh, there was something about, like, I was interested in figuring out how to, like, make a long stretch. Like if you had a long setback of a driveway and the, one of the firefighters that I worked with, Jason Simpson's like, you got to talk to Donch from Franklin Lakes. Like he, he does this. Like, and he, he, he really hyped up like what Franklin Lakes first do was like, and I was just like, this is crazy. I don't believe it. Like, and then 
we I, the, I remember the first time I got to meet you, uh, you know, in a party, we could have this conversation. I was like, oh, I wanted to ask you about this. And then we just it, and yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like, oh, man, I went to this fire. It was like we were getting into the tactics of, of all this. Mm -hmm. And like it wasn't just, like because like I, we were, I was trying to learn. You were trying to learn like and that was the that was the cool part for me was 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 the um, was that just that pa that shared passion and every every time we you know once you like we found out about the like Hyattsville connection I knew one of your buddies Nick was down in Bladensburg yeah. Yeah. and we just kind of kept going back and forth on on all this cultures and you know the, the fire service like we loved it you know yeah I I mean that that really is what fuels me and I know like when we started connecting we started talking and and I remember reaching out to you and said hey I got this crazy idea I'm looking for somebody to help me with this and you know, so on. I mean, ultimately, from the from the get, there was never an idea that this was going to snowball into something much grander than what it than what we originally envisioned. And what we originally envisioned walking into this literally was starting a podcast, telling the stories of the senior man, because I felt too many people, career and volunteer, were walking away from the job and taking all their stories and experiences with them, and and literally destroying our job when we don't let our people leave their storytelling and experience behind. And when guys become pissed off because the job lets them down or they retire in a way that they're unhappy with where they are in their career or the department they're on or in the volunteer service, they've been stepped on and pushed out too many times. All that experience goes out the door with them. And so I thought if we could capture that storytelling in a podcast, at least it's there in perpetuity, meaning it's there forever. It's a testament to who they are. It's their storytelling. It's their job. And we're doing our part as being a steward of the word. And that was important to me. And then fast forward, right? We, well, let's talk about the early days first. I remember you, yeah. you, me, and Michael, my stepson, my son, we all sat down at my in-law's garage and tried to come up with like an intro to the podcast. Do you remember this? Yes. It was awful. Oh, my God. It was, we didn't it know was, what we were doing. It was so bad. And I remember, I think I Googled it once, and I was like, oh, I, like that. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. <laughs> it was it was bad. And then the first studio. So I wanted to do everything in-house because I was like, man, if we could do like a studio and invite people to a studio, it seems more professional. It looks better on the optics for social media and on, the, on YouTube and, and the video feed and all this stuff. And so I literally built out a little 10 by 10 foot cubby hole in my in-laws garage that we made it look like it was cement and brick walls. Yep. And we recorded there. And we now had, for everybody that's listening, it's important to understand that uh, this, this man cave that Bob had built, like, uh, like there was uh, my father-in-law. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, there was like, a, you know, there was like a, a, a like a deer head. There oh was like yeah. A, like he had gone yard, like he didn't even hunt this stuff. He just found it. And like, so people would see the, the brick that we kind of like the, the petition walls that we put up in the, the, the decor, but then above them, like off camera, you couldn't yeah. see it was this giant antler <laughs> from an we, elk or something. Yeah. I remember, I remember like waving people in. I'm like, when you get close, call me and I'll wave you in. Cause we're in like the back of this property in a, in a garage on the second floor. There was no lighting outside. We had no bathroom. So we're crushing, yep. we're crushing beers. And then we'd have to go outside and pee in the, <laughs> pee in the bushes. Right. It was yep. ridiculous. 
And we would do two episodes a night. And we would do one at seven and one at nine, I think we did, right? And so we would yeah. invite two guests each night we recorded. And we'd do the seven o'clock. And then usually the seven o'clock guests stayed. The nine o'clock guests showed up. And then the, we would do beers with all of them. And then mm-hmm. we would hop into the second episode. And if you listen to some of those episodes on the second episode of the evening, they literally were buzzing pretty good on some of them. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was always, because I, I always went down the street because I was a little bit of a lightweight back then. I hadn't gotten my uh, Jeremy training wheels off yet. Ah, nice. Um, but uh, going down to get pizza to make sure we had a base layer in because we were definitely crushing a couple uh, pops. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, we had so much fun, man. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, this is five years ago. It's not like it's 20, 30 years ago we're sitting back reminiscing. It was just five years ago. But it feels like a lifetime ago, and yet it doesn't. But I feel like we've been doing this a very long time. And, you know, from there, from the garage, well, tell the story of the first time we got together for this. What happened? So, yeah, the, the first time was pretty awesome because I had gotten myself hooked into a buff group on GroupMate. And Jeremy and I are trying to get the microphone set up, and we're using a Blue Yeti mic. It's in the table. We're, we constantly are telling the guests, don't pound the table because it comes across the microphone. Yeah. Lean uh-huh. in. So we're doing this prep work for, and I forget who was going to be the guest that night. And I and I look on my phone and there's all these messages and uh, somebody says, Wyckoff has work. And they're like, what's the Addy? And I'm like, what, this, what are they talking about? And they're like, second alarm and Wyckoff fire showing. So I look up at Jeremy and I go, hey, I don't know where Wyckoff, New Jersey is, but they have a second alarm apparently. Is that is that is that close to here? And your face lit up and you're like, are you serious right now? And then you looked at your phone because Franklin Lakes was on the assignment and you're like, we're going. And I'm like, we can do that. And you're like, I'm a safety officer. We can totally pop this. Let's get in the truck. And we dropped what we were doing, didn't the place, ran out. I was on your your coattails trying to catch up to you, jumped in and we off we went. No clue where Wyckoff was in relation. All of a sudden there's a, you know, there, there's five inch in the street. They're charging a hydrant. You're waving at people. And it was like walking in with the, the village mayor. Everyone's like, oh, hey, Jay, what's going on? Jeremy. And you're like, this is Rob. He's helping. And I'm like, there's a fire. Why are we doing this? Um, it's awesome. Like, and, you know, White Cloth, like, true to their their culture, tower ladder. They got a Baker aerial scope. And and the, uh, the jacks are down. And this thing is at street level, ready to do work. Um, they've got the fire knocked. And everyone's like, oh, Michael's in the back. Go say hi to Michael. I'm like, who? Well, we, well, John, so John was at the, John was running the truck and I went up to John and we yep. were bullshitting for a few minutes and then he goes, oh, Michael's around back. So I said, okay, let's run around back. So we run around the back of the condo windows, windows cleared out. They're throwing a mattress out. It was like a bedroom fire. They're cleaning it out. And who's standing there? Mike Chempo. <laughs> yeah. Mike Chempo, because it's funny because he comes from White Cough, White Cough, yep. New Jersey, which is my second due territory or second due truck. So. So Michael's there. John's his brother. John Shempo is his brother. His father, Nick, they've been in Wyckoff forever. Michael doesn't ride there and live there anymore, but he always comes back. Well, he heard it and buffed it. And so, you know, and he's like, ah, he's always trying to get pictures for his articles and training classes and so on. So it was cool to make that introduction, right? And I introduced you to Mike, and we we had a few laughs for a few minutes. We watched the guys clean out the rest of the room, and then you and I picked up and went back to record a podcast. But... You know, and I'm speechless because I just got to meet Mike Chempo. Like I'm, 
Uh, yeah. And he's like, oh, you're going to do good things. Keep up the good work. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, How cool. Do- it's cool stuff. And like you know him, and you're like, yeah, I've known, I, I've known his whole family. And I'm like, this is, it. Yeah. And, and I that, and that, like, now also, if if Mike's listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. And and but, um, wow, we gotta wait. Like until, the, we gotta wait until some other things happen. But he, right. he'll certainly be on. But anyway, no, no, I know. Yeah. I, but it was, it's it was always like, uh, and I'm just like, it, just I was like, I can't believe this uh, this fire service legend is here, and you're like. Yeah, like you, you ain't seen nothing yet, and I was like, "What?" And I, I, I didn't realize how like the Bergen County fire culture really was. I'm like, like, because I mean, New Jersey ge- uh, uh, geography, like I never put together your proximity to New York City. Yeah, and that like what it, it's 20 minutes from the studio from the first studio to Manhattan. Yeah, right across, like, to the Bronx, right, right across the George Washington Bridge. We're 20 yeah. minutes outside of the city. So there's there's so, a tremendous influence, um, and Bergen County is a, is a big volunteer fire culture. There's a couple paid departments within the county, but overall, it's it's municipal governed uh, volunteer departments, and they're very strong. And we have yeah. a, we have a very strong regional response program here too, where a lot of people are picking up second and third do work, uh, working with each other. And there's really no home turf anymore, if you will. It's more about you know regional response and. And so forth. So it's a very good system. It, it's it's onward and upward to be even better as they as they work out some things. And I, we have some friends in those positions that are really making some uh, cool decisions on how the fire service is progressing in that region. Um, but it was fun, and that that to me was the influence that I had. So like that quick story that we just told, that is the story that I've had for almost thirty years in the fire service. I mean, as a fireman, and then the years leading up to becoming a fireman. We were very much entrenched into this uh, real aggressive love for the fire service type attitude from where I came from. And so, you know, the fact that I didn't go career, this was my way of of maybe giving back. I had this conversation this past weekend. This past weekend, I spoke at the New England Fools Northeast Fire Summit, which was just a, a great event. And Rusty Ricker and his crew from the New England Fools asked me to speak Friday night to get the crowd fired up for the weekend and stuff. And it was a real honor to do that. And it's uh, the program I put on, I condensed it down for more of a informal beer and pizza type conversation. But man, what a, what a great, great night it was. But my point is, is that we've had the ability to protect the stories and push it forward. And you know, groups like that are very much what I'm accustomed to and grew up with. And and so I value that. And so for the podcast, it was just inevitable. This kid asked me, he said, why didn't you become a career fireman? I thought you were. And I said, no, I've been a volunteer fireman. I've had the chance to get hired. I deferred a couple of different opportunities, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but you know what? If I became a career fireman, I'd probably be retired by now because I could have got hired in 1999 the first time. Probably be retired by now, and I can guarantee you I wouldn't have started National Fire Radio. And I, I, I firmly believe that the decisions I made early on, you know, affect the outcome of what you do with your life. And so I don't ever regret it. I don't ever regret. I would have loved to have been a career fireman. Don't get me wrong. I would have absolutely loved to have experienced that type of lifestyle for sure. But it just didn't play in my favor. The cards weren't dealt, or actually I dealt the cards because I chose not to take the job because of other experiences I had in my life. But if, man, if if I did things differently, I don't think you and I would be here today talking. And, no, no and absolutely so, not. And so for me, this is my selfish endeavor to now do my part. Maybe I missed my calling as a career fireman. Maybe I should have been. Maybe I shouldn't have been. I don't know. 
But here I am, here I am today at 46 years old with a long future in front of me for pushing this job forward. And I think I might be more influential in the next few years or over the next 10, 20 years with our content and our platform changing and, and pushing the fire service forward than maybe if I was a career fireman for 25 years. Yeah. And I like one of the huge things. So I remember in the beginning when you were like, we're going to interview these people and I didn't know any of them. Like I didn't, I guess, cause like we're, you, you start a project like this, you start, you start local, you start with people, you know, yeah, right. that you can trust to come on. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, in the beginning, like, I don't know any of these people, but like, I'm going to keep an open mind because, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to write somebody off at going in and be like, who's, who's this guy? Like, I've never heard of him before. Um, so on the way to, to the studio, cause I'm about an hour and a half away, I would listen to episodes of fire X talk to fire me up about the, you know, who we were going to interview and what we were going to talk about that night. And then I had this open mind walking in coupled with like this, experience of what I saw from that, you know, first time in the studio and going to that, that fire in Wyckoff to now keeping that open mind and like hearing these amazing stories from, you know, essentially these nobodies, like nobody's heard of, of any of these firefighters, but their, their, their stories were just so impactful. And I remember a couple of the times like asking, asking like one of my, one of the favorite questions that I love to ask people on the podcast is, what what was some what's something that you didn't you know that they don't teach you in fire school that's not in a class but is something that you do on the fire ground everybody had had a different um different answer and i uh joe joe speranza yeah right like i remember i asked him and he he hit that one moment where he he talked about you know oh i get i get to car accidents for when people aren't aren't gonna make it you can hear it and I reach in and let them know that I'm there, right? And it got real heavy real quick, and that's not where I was expecting it. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, but I, I talked to them, and I looked, they're not alone. We're here. We're here for them. And they, they don't teach that in a book anywhere. And, like, you talk about the impact and how we're going to be more impactful, you know, with this with this life. Like, we had somebody reach out to us who listened to that episode and then – was in a situation where they were 20, 30 minutes out in a rural area with no help. And they did that. And they, they, they were, they told us that story. And that was something that like, how would we have made that connection? You know, like that, I don't know if I'm saying that in the right way, but like, I get it. We, we, we were the conduit for that message to get out. And I think that's one of the things that's uh, like, you're right. Like what happened? Cause it couldn't happen any other way. And I'm, I'm thankful for it because if you didn't do, do yeah. that, we wouldn't be here. I I agree with you, right? I think, like, what, what we need to really wrap our heads around, and I'm a firm believer in this now more than ever, but everybody has a story. And I think everybody's story is equally deserved of being heard. And, you know, we... You listen to the other pot like Corley with the Firehouse Vigilance, the Weekly Scrap, mm-hmm. and the Salty Dog. Those guys do all do great work, man. They do. They have great podcasts. Salty Dog's fantastic with guys from the city and their community that is loyal to their following. And the, Coobs and Lou do a great job, and and they're friends of ours. And they do mm-hmm. a, they do a fantastic job. Corley's been on our podcast. He's done plenty of stuff with us. I've worked events with him. We are friends, and in fact, he credits us with kind of like pushing him forward in doing his own podcast. 
right? Which like, is always wild to me. Which is so cool, right? But the thing is, yeah. is that he's got his lineup. The Salty Dog guys have theirs. And the thing is, is that they might interview bigger names or guys with more recognition. But frankly, I'm shying away from those guests. Those guests we bring on every once in a while, but that's done by design. Because a lot of people know those stories, those hustles, those one percenters that are out there pushing themselves and speaking at all the conferences and putting their thoughts and ideas out there. Everybody or a lot of people know who those guys are, know what their messages are. What I've come to realize over the last five years is the people that have the stories are the everyday guys that never have the ability to share their stories. Because they're mm-hmm. not on a national stage. They don't have the ability to talk on a larger stage. And I promise you this, some guy, Brandon Strickland the other day from Decatur, Alabama. Are you kidding me with this guy? This guy was amazing. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back to last week's episodes and find him. Brandon Strickland. What, a, what an incredible episode. Right. We're talking about a guy that, you know, he speaks every once in a while on different podcasts. I've heard him. He's out there a little bit. He teaches, you know, here and there. But like, that's a guy that I was so proud to put forward. All of our guests have a story to share, whether they have name recognition or not. They belong Mm -hmm. here to tell a story because their love and passion is no different. When I spoke last Friday night for the New England Fools, I said I didn't belong there to speak. Like the lineup of people, the pedigree of those guys, the cities they work in, the the national spotlight they've had on them, their accomplishments. I don't come anywhere close to them. But the one thing I do have the same or more is my passion, right? And so, and so yeah. we all have a, an unwavering passion. And the people that listen to this podcast are people that want to push this job forward. They're people that care enough to do more, to be better. And for that, if I can share a story from a guy in rural Kentucky or metropolitan Sacramento the other day, Steve McClain was on, right? Like, if I can push the job forward by putting on different people that represent different aspects of the job, somebody else can relate to them just because of where they come from. And maybe they come from nowhere, but they have a story to tell. That's what's so critical, man. And for me, that's what I'm super proud about. I'm super proud that we have guests on that have a story to share, and they're just like you and me. And I think that's the most powerful thing that I've really come to learn in the last five years with the podcast is that everybody has a story, and let's tell them. Let's tell everyone's story. Let's get everyone on the show, and everybody has a story, and let's capture as many as we can. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Anderson Rescue Solutions was founded in 2016 by former Philadelphia firefighter Tim Anderson. As an urban firefighter and rescue specialist, Tim found that the equipment available to him lacked the usability and practicality in complex high-stress environments that rescuers often found themselves in. To combat this, he developed products based on his own experiences in the field, creating innovative, efficient gear designed to thrive in reality. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap is a perfect example of one of these products. Made in America, this patented tool is used for rapidly harnessing firefighters or civilians in the worst conditions. Every feature is fine-tuned to meet the needs of rescuers battling low visibility, low dexterity, and high stress. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap has been used in numerous real-world rescues for both firefighters and civilians, 
all across the country, and it is being increasingly adopted by fire, rescue, and tactical agencies as standard issue equipment. I carry one. I have carried one for many years. It is the most versatile strap out there. Check it out. The multi-loop rescue strap by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim Anderson, the owner and proprietor of Anderson Rescue Solutions, has become a dear friend. In fact, he's even been on the podcast several episodes ago. Dropped the incredible information. He's super passionate about the fire service, about special operations, and he has built an incredible company and an incredible product. So because of our great relationship with Tim and Anderson Rescue Solutions, if you go to andersonrescue.com, you'll get 10% off if you use the promo code NFR2023. That's NFR2023 at checkout on andersonrescue.com. You'll get 10% off your order. And do me a favor, go over to their social media and check out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for weekly news, product info, and other content in regards to Anderson Rescue Solutions. This episode's brought to you by Flame Decon. Developed specifically for firefighter decon, Flame shampoo, body wash, and soaps reduce your risk of getting occupational cancer. Live fire testing shows that carcinogens on your skin after a fire are removed and undetectable after using Flame. Flame Decon has made a product that not only does its job and does it well, but that you'll enjoy using. They smell amazing. They make your skin and hair feel great. I will be an absolute witness to that. I have used the product. Tara and I have known each other for quite some time. She has sent us product. We have used it, and it does take that smell of soot and smoke off of you immediately following a shower. It makes a difference. You can find Flame Decon products at flamedecon.com and use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. That's promo code NFR for 15% off your first order at flamedecon.com. And for departments that are interested in departmental orders, more than one or two pieces of product, you can reach out to Tara directly at Tara at flamedecon.com. She's happy to entertain any inquiries that you have. And this made me think departments need to protect their own and protecting our own is also after the fire. Chiefs, purchasing managers, look into Flame Decon as a way of protecting our firefighters in and out of the firehouse. So check out Flame Decon at flamedecon.com. Use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. Yeah. And I remember you you saying that like we were we were we wanted to get people like there was a day where like you and I were just kind of I think we we might have been in the car. And we were talking about like rural fire departments and like the suburban fire departments who run a certain, like whether it's like a low call volume or they, they run, you know, let's just say mid range, like 500 calls a year for a volunteer department. That's, that's a pretty healthy number, but like, they don't get the chance to talk about their skills because, you know, the industry won't, not that they won't allow them. Like we're allowing them now. Cause like we're, we're certainly opening up on our platform to do that, but how how would they get their message out of how they handle issues? And then you say it all the time. This is 90 to 95% of our fire service is these departments. Yes. Yes. And I, that's, yeah. That's who we need to like. So like, that's why telling these stories and, and, and doing these interviews are so 
paramount and it kind of like i mean like we're in the introduction phases of like what the national fire radio story was five years ago now we started coupling that with our apparatus and event uh, innovations i remember when you said hey we're gonna i'm thinking about doing this and i was like okay and i wasn't sure and then i like because i couldn't visualize it and then you're like i'll shoot a video and i'll show you and here it is and i was like this is this is awesome like yeah. it's the same yeah i'm sorry rob go go no and, and it, it was it was awesome to see that because then we started to like that's essentially what we've uh, i don't know if saying built the brand on is but coupled with the podcast and giving people an opportunity to tell the story and then every like we were up in roosevelt uh, in dutchess county it's a neighboring department to my north and you were enthralled with the deck gun and you'd shot like the, the deck gun of the one fire engine had been passed down from fire engine to fire engine and you were like this is cool like where, where would you get this and they said oh yeah this is a legacy thing we we passed it down and three of the kids that were there were like oh i didn't know that and i never forget you locked onto them like a missile and you're like well now you know and it's your responsibility to tell the next generation and educate them about this because this is your history and these light bulbs went off so it's all encompassing about what we've been able to do here Absolutely, man. God, you just said so much. So first off, I just want to circle back because you said something that's super important to me, and I'm glad you brought it up. 90 to 95% of the fire service does not work in, an, in, in a heavy suburban or urban setting. That means it's mostly rural and light suburban, right? And so the yep. issue is the tactics and considerations are different there, but where the disconnect comes is the top 1%, the guys that are teaching nationally typically come from big urban cities or smaller urban cities where they go to work or they have the potential to go to more work. And those people then get validated in delivering their content and putting it out there for the rest of the fire service to pick up and understand. The problem is, is that sometimes there's a disconnect because urban tactics don't always equate to rural tactics, just like rural tactics don't always equate to you know, urban tactics. And so the people that are out there teaching all the time typically come from that urban setting. And so for me, it's important that we start fairly representing the American fire service and understand that the majority of them are coming from rural communities that, you know, do their best to serve their public, serve their residents. And it looks very different than what most of us are accustomed to, but that's okay because that's what fairly represents their district or their town or their municipality or where they run. And so we have to be cognizant of that. And we have to understand that urban, urban and suburban and rural tactics are all a little bit different. And so we need to fairly represent the makeup of the fire service and the content that's being put out. The problem is people that run in rural areas typically don't want to put themselves out there with tactics because they could be criticized by others because they don't come from a big municipality. They don't come from a city or a busy department, yet they might be the best water supply officer west of the Mississippi, but they're not willing to put their content out there for fear of, of uh, retribution or, or people that are looking to make light of it because they don't have a name or a department to back up their tactics, yet their tactics could be sound. We need to do a better job of that. And so part of the intent of National Fire Radio is to fairly represent what the fire service is made up of. And that's all sorts of people from all walks of life in all corners of our country. And so for us, that's super important, Rob. We need to fairly represent the urban, suburban, and rural tactics. And so we're going to be getting into that more and more as this year rolls on. Wink, wink, there's some things coming that are going to be a lot of fun. 
And then to and then to just hop into where you went with the apparatus innovation stuff and so on. The whole intent was once we realized we started getting some momentum on social media and the podcast was doing pretty well back then and we were having a lot of fun with it. I started to really dive in and understand the business aspect of content delivery in the American Fire Service. And I was watching what was traditional content delivery versus what I think we needed to do. And like any industry, and the fire to service is steeped in tradition, well, with tradition comes slow change. And we never change fast enough. And the content delivery, right, and that goes from everything from apparatus innovations to tactics and considerations to culture and tradition conversations and articles and videos and pictures. How do we deliver all that? And then I came to realize that, man, I think we could build something here. And slowly, Rob, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but slowly I started envisioning what we could build over time to become a content delivery and media marketing services for the American Fire Service. And that snowballed out of the intent to do a podcast to protect tradition and culture in the fire service and protect the stories of the senior man, which then went into the apparatus stuff. And then from apparatus, it went into other types of content and, and projects that we got involved with. And here we are today, five years later, um, just very proud of what we've been able to do. Our content delivery is out of control. We've been we've spiked up to five million engagements a month on social media. Typically, we maintain around two million a month, but when we do spike, it goes up to four to five million a month. The podcast is trending at a hundred thousand downloads a month. Our social media content and reach is out of control. Nobody can touch it on the content delivery side. And so that kind of starts to set us apart. And that's even setting us apart from the traditional delivery methods of institutions that have been in the fire service for a very long time. They can't compete with us on social and they know it. And so funny things are starting to happen. The environment's starting to change. People are realizing they can start to put their own content out there and they don't need an organized traditional platform to take their stuff and put it out for them when they could do it themselves or align themselves with a collaboration project with people like us. And so the landscape is changing and it's changing faster and faster. And so it's really an interesting time in the fire service. And I'm very proud of what we've built over the last five years, the relationships we've made, the projects we've been a part of, the partnerships that we have. And man, we're just scratching the surface, bro. I think the, the cool part for me you know, is like now, um, like, and it happened in stages because the interviews were cool. We were learning stuff and I was learning stuff. Like I'm, I'm a much better, uh, person, like firefighter, fire officer, and a human being. And I'm I'm definitely a better husband for a lot of the people that I've met along the way on this journey. But like, you know, the, the cool part now is I opened up a trade magazine the other day and I saw like three things that were uh, they, like they, they were writing about the innovations of this particular fire apparatus. And it was stuff that we covered three years ago. And like to, to see that like impact or to see um, departments who are doing things and you're like, oh, that's really cool. And they, they tell us, well, we saw it on your channel. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then they pull, they, they not only, they not only pull their phone out, but they show us the screenshot of when we posted the content and you're like, Oh, and they're like, yeah, we, we, we didn't, you know, we've been running this rescue for X, X, Y, you know, how many years. And this has always been a thing. We found the solution on, 
on your uh, on on your Instagram. This is awesome. Like that that blows my mind. You know, to know that there's a manufacturer out there that has a an option for a light because we and it's actually coded in now as a upgrade because we you know we met a department that had a light in a particular spot and we were like, hey, why do you do that? And they explained it to us. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that is the coolest thing because like I said, you talk about the influence and I it's only gonna get better. Yeah, I mean it's really it's really uh humbling to sit back and think about the influence that we have and and it's all done through an impartial sight glass that we that we have right like we we do partnered like it should be said that we do paid work for manufacturers there's no doubt right we're advertising now on the podcast which are paid advertisements and so if you're listening and want to advertise on the podcast please reach out the podcast nationalfireradio.com but we do media marketing projects we do we go out in the field do live fire shoots we do studio stuff we do national sales meetings i i have media marketing conversations we do consult Consulting. We do um, we do design execution delivery of of media marketing pieces like we have a full production team. We have marketing team. We've snowballed into a machine over the last few years to fairly represent what the backstep firefighter wants to see when it comes to media marketing in the fire service. A lot of these companies, the manufacturers, the OEMs, the distributors don't have firefighters that are out there actively working as their marketing people. And so how the hell do they know how to market to the end user? They don't. And so we have found this niche where we help build the we help build the conversation. We help build a scope that shows the marketing team how to deliver their message, their campaign to the end consumer. And we do that with a lot of different manufacturers. And in fact, we just released our uh, media marketing and influencer package a few weeks back to the, to the industry. And we've had tremendous success. We're handling multiple calls a day with different manufacturers talking about different projects. Things are scaling very quickly now. On top of that, the podcast, you know, we're doing five new episodes a day. We're bringing back The Size Up, which is another podcast hosted by Robert Papero, who uh, Pip, everybody might know him, which is going to be a lifestyle health and wellness podcast. That's going to come back one day a week on our channel, which is super exciting because it's going to be a whole different point of view and different type of conversation. We have Rush the Bus, which is another content uh, organization, and Pete and Julie do an incredible job on EMS side, and we need to we need to fire that relationship back up. We kind of went stagnant with them, and we need to get that back up and running. But we are building out quite a machine, you know. And 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 with Pete and Julie and Rush the Bus, we talk about you know the advertising and like these things that we do to help partners out, um, manufacturers and everything else. But it's also the social media side of things you know rush the bus came out of an idea because i felt like ems because I, I have an ambulance in my firehouse and I, it's, it's part of who i am and we wanted people who were dedicated to it not only do they crush it but like they took a platform like tiktok when everybody you know industry-wide i don't know if that's the right way to say it but they were people were kind of very hesitant to use tiktok for various reasons but they crushed it and like their content creation of how they're showing the tips tricks and hacks of what they do is phenomenal but it's also like that i think like you know i just heard in the past like so i like i've actually never got the chance to meet gary v and i hope we get to meet him one day yeah because he's been like a mentor to us um or at least to me when i start thinking of the content creation side of things and how we go about uh telling the story 
but his like they took TikTok, and I remember I told them like, no, no, guys, do this. It's going to work out really well for you, and it just it blew up. But they they took the they put in the work to the platform of learning how to do it, and now they're that far ahead because of it. Well, let's speak about that. I mean, everything we do is work, man. Like, I don't, I don't want anybody to, that listens to this think that this is easy. There's nothing we do that is easy. <laughs> no. This is a full-time job on top of full-time jobs. And, you know, and it has scaled to a place now where we are doing very large projects with very large clients that have deadlines and delivery and things that are required on a daily basis, there's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of long weekends. There's a lot of long hours, early mornings in between everything else. This is a full-time gig. And so I remember when we first started National Fire Radio, it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Timing has a lot to do with it, too. Instagram at that time was just popping. And so we, mm-hmm. were, able to, we were able to grow our Instagram following pretty quick. Um, but we did it authentically and organically. Not like right. some other people out there that were buying bots and all of a sudden they had 100,000, 150,000, 200,000. And we all know they're a scam and we all know that they're a joke, right? And so the thing is, is that, and we've, and we've crossed into these people too. I mean, man, don't get me wrong. It hasn't been sunshine and rainbows all along the way, man. We've butted heads. I butted heads with a lot of people. You know that. I've called mm-hmm. people out for bullshit because, listen, man, I'm a straight shooter and nothing, nobody will ever have anything on me. When it comes to National Fire Radio, the one thing I said to you, Rob, when we first started was full transparency, 100% of the time, and authenticity. Because the second we try to be something we're not, we will lose because somebody will have something on us. And so for me, how I run this, everything you hear is legit. I don't embellish. I don't get carried away. I don't lie. I don't, I, none of it. None of it, because we can't. It has to be fully transparent 100% of the time because it's the only way we will win. And that's why we're winning. And a lot of other pages that started after we did, they're gone. They're not even here anymore. They can't keep up. We blew them away because of the hard work and dedication that goes into what we've built. And it's built on the right reasons. Morals, ethics, values, the betterment of the job, pushing the job forward, promoting people over ourselves. That's what this is all about. And people don't understand that. People don't understand it's a long game. They want fast and easy, not hard and slow. And that's that's the thing. I just talked about this the other night in that keynote that I did where I was talking about everybody wants it now. We're in an immediate society and everybody expects they're going to do five Instagram posts for the week and they think all of a sudden they're going to have some growth and people are going to love what they're doing. Nobody will even see your five posts. You need to be posting five posts an hour for the first year, five hours a day. You need 20 posts a day for three years before people are going to start taking notice of who you are. It takes work. And nobody wants to work anymore. And so, you know what? The more work you put in, and listen, we've seen a lot of great partners come up through the through the channels with us. Rob, there are some people that have put in all that work, and I, I'm very mm-hmm. proud to call them friends because we know what goes into this hustle. They do too, and there is an absolute mutual respect between all of us. But the other guys that thought it was going to come easy and faded away, it's because you didn't put the work in, man. you got to put the work in. It's just like firefighting. It's just yeah, like firefighting. Say, if, you, if you try to take 
shortcuts and don't embrace the process in, in your fire service career, your your reputation is going to uh, suffer as a result of it. And it's the same thing with with going down this endeavor. It is it is work, and it's like you. I, I think the one thing that I never expected was, you know, we take a, an event like uh, going out to FDIC or to Firehouse Expo or any conference, and we are uh, we are we are turned on to everything around us as far as like shooting content seeing apparatus engaging with uh with uh, with fans and people who follow the podcast and then people asking us questions of what we're doing because like why is this guy named jeremy standing in front of his of my my ladder truck you know talking about the you know the, the grab handle and the step and how economic for this like you know like and it's all that and it takes a tremendous amount of energy and a tremendous amount of work to do that but it's fun but it is work. Well, and we had to put ourselves out there and we opened ourselves up for ridicule. We opened ourselves up because it was something that didn't exist. We created a new lane in the American fire service. We created a new lane in the American fire service. Think about that for a second. And it's taken us five years to get where we are today. And we haven't even scratched the surface yet, but you know what we have done? We've become a household name for the most part. The, at least People in almost every fire company probably has heard of us or seen something from us. We are growing rapidly. We are becoming a group that five years ago, nobody knew who we were, and we were building our own brand and building a new lane for content creation and delivery to fast forward to five years later, and now we're working with some of the largest manufacturers in the space and recognized as a media and marketing design, delivery, and content page that is starting to really consume the fire service. And so for me, man, super proud, but man, did we get ridiculed and beat up in the beginning? I mean, you're talking hate page. I, you know, what was great the other day, Rob, I had somebody make a comment. Hilarious. Lose a hundred pounds and shave your beard. (laughs) (laughs) It's unbelievable. The amount of losers in this world that take time out of their day to have a fictitious social media account so that they can hurt somebody else. I feel super sorry for them. I feel sorry for their spouses. I feel sorry for their kids. They're losers. And there's always going to be losers in this world, and I wish we didn't have them, but there always will be, and there will always be ridicule and comments and hate pages. I mean, we've had social media pages created to try to hurt our feelings. Are you kidding me? Hurt my feelings? What are we, in fucking high school? It's a fucking joke, man. These people are a joke, and these are the people that keep this job back. And all the hate pages and all the pages out there that tear this job down are terrible, and that's what's wrong with the fire service. Wasn't, the, it, uh, mm-hmm. wasn't it the movie uh, Straight Outta Compton when they go to the one venue and the people are running over their records, and the guy goes, mm-hmm. man, they had to buy that record to run it over. Isn't it wild? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine taking time out of my day, my busy schedule, to go on social media to spread hate. It's unbelievable. What a What a... What a loser. Like, that's yeah. that's all it is. That's all it is. And anyone that supports that stuff, anybody that follows those pages, or anybody that plays that game on social media to spread hate or tear people down, give me a call. Hit me up on a DM. Share your phone number. I'll give you my phone number. Let's have a conversation. I'd love to talk to you, but you can't because you're fucking cowards. And you hide. Well, they hide. I, I, think, I think that's going to be the interesting things that are going to pop up in our in our future as far as like you know people you said like hey they make up the fake profile names and stuff and you know it's 
and, and you hit on something really important. You said, like, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for their spouses. I feel bad for their kids. Like, I feel bad for their kids because most of these folks that are out there spewing hate, like, they're not careful about what they're doing. And, and, and they're being found out. And, like, you know, God, God help you if your, your, your livelihood comes on the line because you wanted to say something stupid on social media. And you wanted to spill out and take that time to to dump out that negative energy, like I you know I always think back to that uh, the uh, you know one of my favorite books was um, that you know it's your ship running the best damn ship in the navy, and he talked about that New York Times or uh, Washington Post test, like how would these actions look like on the front page of the Washington Post or the New York Times, and people are going to have to you know they're they're one day the uh, the, the the roosters will come home to roost and well it's not even it's not even just their career or their job but it's their kids their grandkids their great grandkids their great great grandkids know that great great grandpa is a bigot is a racist right. is sexist is a scumbag is a loser everything yeah. is in perpetuity you put it out there it's there it's never going away and if you think you're so smart and you think you're going to be able to get away with anonymous stuff, you're not. Technology is improving times a million. And I promise you, anything you did today or yesterday will be available for everybody to see. And so think about that. Think about the legacy you're going to leave behind because you're a loser. That's, that's hard, man. That's hard that your kids are going to have to grow up and try to, try to defend their grandfather. You want your grandkids to be proud of you? You want your own kids to be proud of you? And then they find out that you're spreading hate on social media? What do you, what do you, how do you think your kids are going to look at you? And so for me, when we did all this, Rob, that was the whole point of the authenticity. Nobody can have anything on us. None of these people that want to tear us down or have tried to tear us down along the way, they've all faded away. Not one of them has continued on with their mission to tear us down because they can't. Because we're legitimate and we're here to stay and we're not going anywhere. And at the end of the day, we will walk all over the mutts in this job and the people that are tearing this job down because you and I are obligated to push it forward unconditionally. And that's what we do. Hell yeah. But listen, man, you and I, we could talk for 12 hours about what we've done over the last five years, the projects, the manufacturers we work with the trips we've taken, the laughs we've had. But I will tell you this, brother, I am so glad that you have that you answered my call that day, and I'm so glad that you took me up on this offer of, of being a part of this ride, man. I think that what we're doing matters. Um, and it matters It matters certainly for me, and I'm very proud of, uh, of what we do and what we've put into this and what we've been able to build. And uh, I can't wait to have our 10-year review, man. But... Uh, Man, we're not going anywhere. And this year, 2023, is a massive year for us. Uh, the new website's going to be coming out. And when the new website comes out, we're going to be jumping into some spaces that uh, we haven't really been in before. We're going to start doing a little bit different way in distributing content and kind of changing the game up a little bit about what people know of how to digest content in the American Fire Service. There are very exciting things coming along with the podcast channel. We have a lot of new things that will be coming out. Um, man, this is a huge year for us. We're going all in and we've have incredible partners. We do incredible collaboration work and the manufacturers, OEMs, distributors, and everybody else in between the training companies, the firefighters, 
I have to say this too, Rob, between all the partnerships, the partnerships are great, but what truly fuels me are the DMs and emails we're getting every single day now. We, yeah. get, we get messages every single day, whether it's a text message from somebody I know, whether it's somebody I've never talked to before and they shoot a DM over to us, they send us an email and they said, hey, and they give us something positive or they need help. We've helped people along the way too. People are reaching out looking for looking for something more. Can we point them in the right direction? Can we make a connection? Can we help them? Mental health issues, physical health issues, you know, you name it. I think we've gotten involved somewhere along the line in the last five years. And that tells me that we're making an impact and people believe in who we are. They believe in our message. And because of that, they're comfortable enough to reach out to us. And uh, sure. for that, I'm grateful. Yeah, I think early on, you and I, I mean, we, we have a weird Rolodex in how our brain works, but, you know, getting a phone call one night from a salesperson who uh, who said, hey, I'm with a customer, a tower, a, a rear mount tower ladder with with a cross lay in the front bumper uh, for a Quint. And I said, yeah, it's from this department. It's for this, you know, this is the thing. I said, you need job number or do you want me to no i'll make the phone call and then i was able to shoot like the pitch like that's that's the cool part like to know that we're like you said like we're making that impact and it is uh it, it's going to be awesome I, I, I like i'm just every every time we talk about this i get excited for for the upcoming events and and, and what we're doing the next thing that we're working on yeah uh it's gonna be fun man and it's uh i'm excited I'm very excited for the next, uh, the next five years, but man, thank you for trusting me five years ago. Thank you for trusting me every step of the way as we've pushed forward and taken more permissions and have gotten involved with many, many more things. I think about the friends we've met along the friends we've made along the way, the relationships we've formed with people that I could have never have thought would have been friends, let alone somebody that I lean on for advice or information. I am forever grateful. And I think it should be said, Rob, as we kind of wrap up is that, I'm talking like this because I went all in on the fire service. And I think that that should be said. And I think ultimately for us, it's because we trust the fire service. We're yeah. all in on it. It's who we are. It's our lifestyle. It's what we know. And because we've gone all in on it, it's paying dividends. And I'm not saying to the checkbook, but I'm saying to mentally, you know, my mental checklist is unbelievable. And, and I'm forever grateful that I trusted the American Fire Service, I trusted being a fireman. I trusted what comes with all of that because I went in all in on it without having any prejudice or or expectations. And, you know, when we started this thing, whether one person or, or 100,000 people listened to it, I didn't know. You didn't know. But we, but we did it because we felt it was important. And we still do that to this day. We produce the content we produce because we think it's paying it forward and helping someone else. And I think as long as we keep track of that, I think we're going to be in a very good place. Yeah, we, we believe in it. It's not just a T-shirt or a saying for us. It's, this is truly what, what we believe in. So, Amen, man. Well, listen, thank you. Thanks for joining me today. We're about an hour. I don't want to bore people with the rest of uh, rest of what we're doing, but... I promise you this, if you're listening to this episode and you made it to this point of it, thank you. Thanks for dialing in and thanks for being a part of it and listening throughout. I like to think that the content, the guests, and the content we put out are pushing this job forward. Rob certainly does, and Rob, I appreciate you, man, more than you'll ever know. Um, you are not just a friend, but a brother and my family, man, and I appreciate you very much. Same, same man. I, I can't say it any better, so. I love it. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for joining me tonight on the podcast. This episode is going to be posted Tuesday, uh, March 7th, 2023. Guys, if you're listening to this conversation today, share it. Share it. Go back to the firehouse and talk about the job because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. It can be something simple or something very deep, but talk about the job daily. Because when you keep fire, I, I think it was, uh, what, Ray McCormick, keep fire in your life, right? When you keep fire in your life and you talk about yeah. the job, whether it's uh, for 30 seconds a day or 30 hours a day, right? Like, and I know there's only 24 guys, but, you know, talk about the job because it keeps it prevalent, it keeps it real, and it keeps it up front. And so talk about the job daily because it makes the job better. And send us a pod, send us an email at podcast at nationalfireradio.com. Tell us what your thoughts are. Tell us what your memories of National Fire Radio are. We'll read them on the air. We appreciate it, man. Rob, thanks for joining me, pal. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. Thank you for an incredible five years. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy and Rob, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.